Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show, or actually welcome to this show today. Uh, I'm Pat Sloan, and you know today I'm going to talk with a couple of fabric designers, actually just about everybody has designed fabric, but that isn't what the only the only thing we're going to talk about. First up, I have Amanda Murphy, and she was one of the nineteen um, one of the twenty seventeen um, designers for Orafil, and she was our December artist, and so we featured her. And so, you know, Amanda, I can't wait to catch up with what you're doing. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. You know, you do a lot of different things. I I covet your machine quilting skills in particular. Um, <laughs> I let a lot of things go. Just you just don't get up close. Everyone makes mistakes, right? <laughs> you just have oh, to let it go. It's just gorgeous. So, you know, besides being like an extraordinary quilter and designer, you do fabric for Benertex. Um, you are an author. You go out and teach. Um, you know. What you? What is your most recent line that you've done your fabric line? Well, it's called Winter Games. It's out right now, and it celebrates the Winter Olympics. So it's all things winter sports, all the things I can't do in real life. I just draw, right? Uh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it was a fun line to design, just going through all the, all the Winter Olympic sports. Yeah, that was one of the fabrics that you used for your Orofil, um, your December 2017 block. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, it, it was. it's so cute. And on your website in December, you Thank also you. put this darling skater, um, you know, project that was ice skating project. So this. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was part of a bigger pattern. And I just made one of the skaters available like as a holiday gift for, for readers, but um but the full quilt had like a hockey player. All, all, as I said, all the things I can't do came out of yeah. the quilt. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you have to live. live that's large. right. They're, they're yeah, live large. They, they're just. I love your drawings. They're so cool. Um, Thank you. Now, what is it? I thought we could talk a little bit about free motion quilting because that is probably. Okay where I first um, started following you and, and how we got to be friends, you know, somehow along the way. You know, that's one of the things I was looking at. Uh, you have, you, you've done several books about free motion quilting, right? Yeah, I've done books about free motion quilting, and I have a new one coming out we'll talk, we can talk about later. But um, I learned to quilt on a domestic machine, and um, I, I now quilt on the Bernina Q24, the long arm, but I also quilt on a domestic because when I teach, a lot of times, I teach on domestics. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you get there's things you do similarly on both, and there's things you do a little differently. Um, but, you know, I love teaching because I love um, getting, like, a whole room full of um, students on machines, like really moving those machines and, and not being afraid to, to just try. Because um, yeah. quilting is like drawing. It's not quite as precise as, as piecing is. Yeah, it and there is there's a lot of wiggle room actually for for your free motion. You don't like you said you don't have mm-hmm. to be precise and you can be a little bit more artistic, you know, bring out your personality. You know, Amanda, since you teach this so much, I thought it would be interesting to get some tips for people who have been doing 
a bit of free motion, like they feel pretty comfortable. So what, how do you, how do you give some things to take it sort of to the next level when somebody's like, okay, I could do swirls, I can outline, but I want to punch it up a bit. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's a few different things. The first thing is you can learn so much from watching your students. You know, when I when I teach free motion to a group of students, I like to go around and really watch how they're using their machine because they've probably been sewing for a number of years, usually, mm-hmm. when you have a free motion class. So they have mm-hmm. a certain way they use their machine, and until you watch them, you don't know how to tell them to adjust. Mm-hmm. But the biggest um, things I see people do is they, they jump their machine. So what I mean by that is when they start and stop, well, first of all, you absolutely have to stop to reposition your hands. And we all have tried it where we keep going and reposition <laughs> our hands, and it doesn't right. work so well. No. Um, but you have to stop. Um, but when you get started again, the biggest thing I see is people move their hands and their feet at the same time. And what that causes is by the time the needle's up, because there's a slight delay when the machine, you know, when you hit the foot pedal and it goes to the needle. And by the time the needle's up, people are pushing, pushing, pushing that fabric through, and that's when they get the jump stitch. Mm-hmm. So instead, I try to get them to either stitch one stitch even in place or at least see the needle move before they start moving their hands. So it should be foot, then hands. And it feels Mm -hmm. like a really big pause when you first start doing it. But Mm -hmm. sooner or later, it's hard to do it the other way because Mm -hmm. you just get it so ingrained. So that's that's like probably the biggest tip. The other tip um, is um, as far as like intermediate quilters who have done some free motion looking to punctuate their designs, I like combining the free motion with the rulers because then you get the you get to divide up the areas in different ways that could be very difficult. Like it's very hard to free motion a a four inch circle, but if you can do that with rulers, then you can add accents to your clothes. You couldn't otherwise. Oh, so are rulers difficult? I mean, I have not really, I've also done some work on long arms, but I primarily do sit down, you know, but is it, are the rulers hard? I mean, is there something that a trick to there them? Is, it's not hard. Yeah, there. You have to regulate your own stitches. So for people who have, um, like, are on sit-down Berninas and have stitch regulator, they can't mm-hmm. use that with rulers because with a ruler you need a foot where you can get the ruler all the way around the foot yeah. in order to stitch. So you're regulating your stitches. So uh, you have to find the rhythm that's right for you, where you're going to get stitches that look like maybe they're 2.5 on a domestic machine. But, mm-hmm. of course, your setting doesn't determine that. That's how, how you push the fabric through the machine, how you set the speed of your machine, and how you push your foot pedal. So, I mean, the biggest thing is finding your speed. And the biggest hint, actually, which is sometimes hard to do in class, is the sound of your machine. Mm-hmm. If it sounds like it's lurching, you're probably not steady. And if mm-hmm. someone has trouble holding it steady, usually I'll, I'll turn the speed down and tell them to floor the pedal um, until they can get they can get what the machine should sound like. The good news is once you get that stitch regulation, you have it for free motion. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's a gateway to free motion um, in a lot of ways. Perfect. I need to try it. You know, I really do. Is there one ruler yeah, that is do. like the one that everybody's most successful with first? Because that's the one I want. I want the one that's easy. Well, straight line rulers, because then you don't have to when you echo quilt, you know, when you create triangles in a set and border or whatever, when you echo quilt, you don't have mm-hmm. to mark your quilt when you're doing piano keys. You know, straight lines are always what I start people on because 
that's the way we're used to moving the fabric through the machine when you're in a straight line. Mm -hmm. Once they do that, I mean, if I had to pick one set, it would be a set of circles, no matter what manufacturer, et cetera. It would be Mm -hmm. a set of circles because you can do so many things with circles, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's what I wrote my book about was, you know, what you can do with basic shapes, you know, all these different designs you can do with basic shapes. And is that the new book that's coming out? Yeah, that just came out this month, and it's the okay. ruler work quilting idea book. It's like a volume two. The first one's free motion. The okay. second one is, is rulers. Yeah, your books yeah. are really well done. There's tons of diagrams, um, you know, the sort of let you get the idea. You get, like, an idea, and then you can expand and add. They're really well done, Amanda. Thank you. I, like, um, I you know, I don't – I like pictures. Yes. <laughs> and I think a lot of filters, we gravitate towards pictures because we're visual, and mm-hmm. it's just easier to explain. Mm-hmm. So Now, when you were saying yeah. you go and teach, you, you are a Bernina spokesperson, so are you primarily teaching in, like, Bernina sh- uh, shops? I mostly teach in Bernina dealerships, yes. Yeah. Mostly okay. in dealerships. I teach, and I teach quilting, applique piecing, et cetera. Yeah. yeah. Huh? Super, so, super. Yeah. yeah. And then I, yeah, I have a Facebook group where people ask me stuff too. So, okay. you know, that's not really teaching, but it's a good. Oh. It's a good yeah, what's the name of that to answer one? Questions. That's Quilting with Amanda Murphy. Okay. And I answer questions. And they're just because usually if one person has a question, well, you know, then mm-hmm. probably there are lots of people out there who have questions. Right. Yeah, that's, that's really question. true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This they all do. You know? They all have the same question. You can answer it all at once. Yeah, uh, and you can search in there too. Uh, so yeah, I have exactly. A, <laughs> I have one thing that I what I thought it would be fun to ask you. Another thing that that uh, you have kids. Do they ever go with you and help you with what you're doing? Yes. Now, what my daughter is a very good sewer, but it's it's just like it's something that she grew up around. I'm not mm-hmm. sure she would even realize that that's not something everyone, you know, just grew up doing. But she knows how to sew. My son, though, goes to shows because he's my extrovert, and he'll talk to anyone. So he will sometimes help me at industry shows, and he'll get up on ladders and hang. But, you know, teenage boys are really workhorses (laughs) if you you feed them well. (laughs) Feed them well. um, (laughs) You feed them well, and they, they, they will happily um, so go go with you. So he does sometimes um, come to industry shows with me, et cetera, and that's fun. Um, and so we have that, like a minute. Well. Is he, we have like a minute, Amanda. Has he ever said anything really funny that you're like, oh, my gosh? Well, you know, this one this one time where I was at a show, and he had to keep he, – I, I was teaching. And so when I came back to the booth, he had to keep track of three fabric lines. And one of the fabric lines had a panel in it, and the woman asked a woman asked him if it was pieced, and she came up to me and she said, "Your son, he said this was pieced." Oh. And you know, I, and when he said she said your son, I was like, "Oh my goodness, what, what, you know, what did?" And she's like, "He said it was pieced, and it is not pieced." I was like, "You know, if that's all you have to play, he's doing a great job. That's three right. fabric lines, you know." <laughs> You know, it's it's just funny. It's you know, I, I was like, oh, you're doing like, a good job. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes. Oh my gosh, poor kid. Like you know, you needed to feed him yeah. more to to get over the trauma. I know. He, I probably did need. It. Yeah. He, he he. I was like, well, this is what's called a panel, so it's not pieced, but it yeah. looks like it's pieced. He right. just kind of looked at me. You know? Yeah. He's like, yeah, mom. Yes, I answered. Yeah. Her, you know. <laughs> 
What more do you want, Mom? You know, I have to be nice to him because he, he, he helps me with the blog, so I have to be very nice. <laughs> Oh, yes, this is this is excellent. He's excellent to have around. Well, Amanda, this has been yeah. so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. And everybody well, can I visit. I guess I'm going to see you at Market or at the next show. Yes, I will see you. I will see you the next time around. So thank you, Amanda, for being here. Thank you very much. Have a good day, Pat. Okay. We'll be right back. the 1 million pillowcase challenge in March for the ultimate pillowcase competition. Gather a team and compete in one of two categories during the month of March to make pillowcases, earn points, and maybe be crowned the ultimate pillowcase champion. The top three teams in each category will be awarded cash prizes. Even if you're not forming a team, you can watch all the action with weekly voting and daily prizes. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash pillowcase madness for more information. Quilt Along with us in 2017. Join our fourth annual Quilt Along by stitching a wall hanging, a throw, or a one-block table topper, or all three projects. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash quilt along for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media by using the hashtag APQQuiltAlong to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. You know, I'm Pat Sloan, and I am super excited to talk to Jackie Robinson, who I have known for a long time. And I just think it's fabulous that we're going to get to hear what Jackie's up to right now. So, Jackie, this is so exciting to have you on here. Thank you. Well, Pat, it is a real treat to be here, and it's sure nice to hear your voice. It's been a while. It has been a while. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, so, and we do. We go back. I, I don't really want anybody to know how far back we go. Right, exactly. We're not telling, but you know, <laughs> but we may be early uh, adopters to the Internet, you and I, many years ago. Yeah, yeah just about. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jackie, you have a, a rich history uh, in quilt making, and, and in the industry you've owned stores, uh, you designed fabric for Benertex, uh, you've designed many gorgeous, fabulous quilts. So can you just give me the, the sort of like the, the short cliff notes of your background? The quick one. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, all right. started in 1982. Mm -hmm. And I opened a shop that actually was going to be a sewing machine art center. Ah. And uh, what you know, the whole idea was that we would be doing machine embroidery and monogramming and applique, that kind of stuff. And at that point, I was a single mom, and it didn't take me very long to figure out that I couldn't even buy macaroni and cheese by selling thread. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> 
<laughs> we quickly added fabric. We had a little bit there for the applique, but added fabric, and the shop became a quilt shop. And machine embroidery changed without me being involved. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got involved in the patchwork, and that was off and running. And that was off and running. You know, you you ended up moving to Montana, uh, and, you know, you were in Colorado, and you know, you've just gone all around with, with what you're doing. When you moved to Montana, did you open a store there as well? No, I didn't. Actually, um, I had the shop in St. Louis. That was the first mm -hmm. one. And then um, I met and married Jerry while I had that. And along with that was a promise that mm -hmm. we would get him out of St. Louis and back west ah. within five years. And uh, so... That's when the Durango thing was found, and we moved there. And along the way, about the time we moved to Durango is when I started traveling with the Chi-Chi. And um, so I sold this. I, I did that for a number of years with the shop and the traveling and the teaching and so on. But yeah. then sold the shop in Durango in 99. Yeah. And I think and then, so many people yeah. probably visited your shops in all of those different locations. Um, well, and especially Durango is such a yeah. tourist spot. It was a great spot. Yeah. So when you started designing uh, patterns, were you doing that because you needed an outlet? You know, what, what meter did you have a need that in your stores, and that's why you designed the patterns? Well, it was mostly to support the business within the shops when I started doing that because um, there, there were certainly patterns out there. But in the early to mid-80s, uh, all this pattern business that we see now was really in its infancy. Mm -hmm. And there, there wasn't tons. And so that's when I started doing that so I'd have a bigger variety of things for my customers. Ah, ah. You and know, that's really it, true, Jackie. It there wasn't as much available. There weren't as many people designing, so the variety was a little slim. Right, yeah. right. And those those early names, though, my gosh, they were huge in the industry. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it was wonderful to be able to work with, with their things and to get to know them as the years went by, too. So. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm really curious if you you could just talk a little bit about your designs now, your fabric designs for Benertex, because I just love that, that the fabrics and the patterns that you put with them, there's always a unique sort of twist. You know, you design some pieces for each line that have uh, sort of feature, I would call them features in them uh, that make them just different. Tell me about that. Oh, boy. Um, you know, it's a real hard thing to be able to say a whole lot about. But mostly we start out with uh, just a, a reasonably large-scale print that is a primary motif, mm -hmm. and that gets built around either that all over, that big all over, or the stripe. One or the other is the first, mm -hmm. and it, it all builds on out from there but I always have a bunch of coordinates because I like to make log cabins so I need a bunch ah. of values and so that that expands the coordinate base mm -hmm. so when you're doing uh, let's say like I was looking at one where you made this really pretty floral that ended up looking like it was appliqued by how you did the the design do you design the pattern the the quilt 
pattern first, Jackie, and then think, okay, I know I'm going to put a Christmas line in here, so now I need to design fabric that fits, or is it the other way around? It's been both ways. Oh. Uh, generally, it's fabric first, pattern second. Okay. But sometimes when I'm working on patterns, I realize that I really need something different to make it work. I mean, that happened to me just two weeks ago. There was mm -hmm. a, a pattern I was working with, and I thought it would work with a Christmas line that we have coming out next fall, and um, it didn't. So I made notes. <laughs> I can fix that with another line <laughs> and, and come up with combinations of things because this pattern I think could be a lot of fun to do. Yeah. But oh, I that, didn't have the right scale stuff. That is funny. Yeah, I can make notes. That's like I could... Uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I kind of know what... what collection I'm gonna those notes have been written on so <laughs> yeah oh that's so funny yeah yeah you, yeah, you do the same thing I'm sure <laughs> yeah you do I mean I have yet yeah, tons of notes can I find my notes again Jackie that's always the uh that's that's the challenge um oh. <laughs> so you know you've done a lot of travel and you know experienced a lot of things is there like a funny story that you can share you know one that you <laughs> that that we can giggle over um you know the, the I thought about that for a little bit, Pat, when mm -hmm. you would ask that question. And actually, one of my favorite stories is something that happened in my shop in Durango. Mm -hmm. And that's the one, if I was going to share, I think that everybody gets the biggest kick out of. I haven't looked at the clock. How long do we have? Yeah, we have a couple minutes. Okay, I'll go fast. All right. <laughs> I had a lady come in the shop. It was in 1989, and she was admiring a jacket that we had hanging on display. And that particular jacket took 24 different fabrics. And it was, so it was 12 lights and 12 darks. And we started talking about it, and it didn't take that much fabric of any one of them, but all the fabrics. And she was going to make this for her daughter-in-law. And as she and her husband talked, she decided she didn't like the daughter-in-law that much. Oh. <laughs> they left. <laughs> it was kind of a slow day. And a little later that afternoon, I had let my helper go home, and I was working alone. And they came back in, and she had decided that she wanted to make that jacket. And as we started pulling up the fabrics to get these 24 fabrics ready to go, her husband, who was a sweetie, said something about, well, you know, why don't, um, why, why, well, he asked me first, you know, if, if you're buying fabric, you don't know what you're going to do with it, what do you get? And I said, oh, two or three yards, if I really want oh. it. And so he said, well, let's have three yards of, of all of these. And I said, well, why don't oh. you pick out the ones that you like the best and get three of that? Do you want three of everything? Yeah. She caught on real quick, said yes. <laughs> <laughs> so it turned out that we were cutting 72 yards of fabric that afternoon, oh which at that point was a really big sale. Yes. It's <laughs> probably still a really big sale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she was she was bright, and her husband suggested it, and she took it. Yep. Oh, my goodness. That's so funny. I think a lot of us will say that as a joke. Yeah, three yards. You need three yards, you know, that – oh, my goodness. No. Well, the jacket took about a fourth of a yard of each, so I've often wondered what she did with the rest yeah, right. of it. Yeah, right. Of course, I don't know what a stash looks like. So that's right. She plays a whole room for her stash, like like many. So right. you know. <laughs> yeah. you know, we have we have about a minute. I was going to say, what um, what is your line that's in the stores right now, Jackie? Your fabric line. 
The newest one that just was shipping is called Hydrangea Blue. It's a blue and yellow combination. Um, hydrangeas are blue, and then there's lots of yellows going with it. It mm-hmm. is really pretty, and it's been on the back cover of some magazines and mm-hmm. getting some interesting play out there. We're happy to see it. Yeah, blue and yellow is so classic. Yeah. I'm sorry? Blue and yellow is so classic. Oh, yes, we love blue and yellow together. Yeah, yeah. We really so do. You, do you grow hydrangeas? You know, I can't grow anything. <laughs> I would love to have a few pretty flowers, but we live on a Drummond, and the soil won't support anything. Oh. And so I I don't have a garden. Oh. So yeah, tell us. I've got Well, you have beautiful mountains in Montana instead. Yes, I do. Those I yeah. have. Why don't you tell everybody where to find find you? Where are we? And we're in northwest Montana, a little town called Eureka, about eight miles south of the Canadian border. Wow, you're really up there. And online, they can find you at your animusbooks.com. Yeah. There you go. Well, Jackie, this has been fun. Yeah, it has been fun. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate your call, Pat. Fun talking with you. We'll be back right after this break. Quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. To avoid mixing up various sized strips once cut, you can write the measurements on the strip selvages. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never before seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy-to-use pull-out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's talk show. I'm Pat Sloan, and I'm going to talk to a fellow Virginia quilt maker and designer, Susan Emery of Swirly Girl Designs. Uh, I probably, if you were following my uh, posts about the Virginia Quilt Museum, I mentioned that she had curated one of the exhibits that was hanging at the same time as mine. And so I thought, oh, I've got to get Susan on here and just talk about what she's up to because she's a designer and author. She does fabric for Michael Miller. So, Susan, I am glad to catch up with you. Hi, Pat. Thank you. You know, I thought it would be nice to get a, you know, hear a little bit about your um, – you know, sort of your background in quilting, you know, from your history, because you have quilt makers going, I don't know, back to England or something. You know, how far back are they? <laughs> well, I know I know for sure that I'm a fifth-generation quilter, and I'm a third-generation long-armer. Both my grandma and my mom were long-armers. You know, was did your grandma buy the first long-arm invented or what? Because... <laughs> She 
actually owned, she lived in Wyoming, and she bought the first Gamel west of the Mississippi. Holy cow. <laughs> Holy cow, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, so she was. She was bought the first ones made. Um, <laughs> so did you long come arm a long with way. her? <laughs> yeah, did you ever long arm with her? A little bit. She kind of taught me. I lived in Seattle, and she lived in Wyoming. So we, mm-hmm. you know, when we get together, we do some quilting, and she taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, you have a a design background, right? Because you have a graphics design background, right? Yeah. So, did you find that that really helped you with um, once you decide to sort of go into business? Um, sure. It it definitely helped. I owned a quilt shop. I bought a quilt shop when we moved to Virginia, and it really helped with branding of the quilt shop. I think that um, being able to do some higher-end branding really helped the shop. And as I worked at the shop, I started designing patterns to use to feature fabric that I was buying for the shop. And so it was definitely great for illustrations when it came to that. It sort of sounds like the same thing Jackie did. Jackie Robinson, I just had on. She had to, but she was designing the patterns years ago because there wasn't much. Uh, you know, it's it's and it's still you. You probably had something in your brain. You're like, I need to showcase this fabric. Being creative like well, that. Well, really, I I went to Quilt Market and bought some pretty contemporary fabric for my traditional quilt shop and oh. <laughs> learned that I had to show people how to use it because it, it wasn't selling. So it was really out of necessity. <laughs> there you go. That's that, you know, when you look back, I think a lot of us, that's what happens. You start doing something because you know, you really need to. It's a, uh, <laughs> how long did you own the store? I owned the store for six years. Oh, okay. Did you know when you bought that to be when you first bought the store? Um, did you, you know, think, oh, this is this is going to be fun? Had you worked in a store before? You know, what made you do that? Uh, it was sort of an impulse purchase. <laughs> I um, didn't really mean to buy a quilt shop, and then it, the opportunity presented itself, and I just went for it. Yeah. You know, so many of us um, become known, you know, or for a particular pattern. You know, as if we've been designing for for a while. You know, there's always like that one pattern that everybody goes, "Oh, now I know who they are. I I own that pattern." Do you have one of those? Sure, I think um, Perfect Ten. It's probably my my best selling pattern, and it uses ten fat quarters. You know. People are it's always. It's great for beginners. They, I, it gets used for a lot of beginner classes, I think, so new quilters discover it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many times I see people have a stack of fabric and they say, you know, and they're fat, often fat quarters, what do I do with this stack? You know, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Right. Most of my patterns, a lot. in fact, a lot of my patterns are written for fat quarters. I think as a shop owner, I was looking to do patterns that. I could kit for people to come in and buy the the full kit that matches the sample. So fat quarters is an easy way to do that. Yeah, yeah. See, a goal, having a goal for everything. <laughs> and people like to collect them anyways because they're they're affordable and give you a variety. And they're fun to shop for, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. So fun. So I want. Can you tell me about uh, your fabric line? I don't know if it's in stores yet, but the one called uh, Hank and Clementine is that coming out or? 
It just came out at the beginning of February, end of January. Okay. So it's it's in stores now. Some stores are getting it a little later in the spring. Yeah. And it is so darling. It has little thank gnomes you. and the most the cutest. I may think it might be the cutest gnome I've ever seen on your fabric. I just oh, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know how gnomes are. Some of them are kind of like, ooh, like your wicked uncle or something. But he's really cute. Uh, so what is what is the name, Hank and Clementine? Where did that come from? It just It was just a cute name for Hank is the gnome and Clementine is the squirrel. So okay. they're just the, the <laughs> characters of the story and they needed to have names. Yeah, okay. I started, um, the reason I got to gnomes was my friend Marilyn hates them. <laughs> so I decided to draw one for her, and I don't like squirrels, so then I, I made him a little squirrel friend, and it just sort of grew from there. Yeah, oh, that is so funny. Uh, and then you also have a, a kind of a, well, you have a gnome holding a light, you know, it's a big quilt. And how, is that a, that's a pretty big quilt, isn't it? It's a lap-sized quilt. Yeah. Made from yeah. back quarters. <laughs> Yeah, of course. Yeah, this, but he's so darling and done with like squares and rectangles and half square triangles. Um, yes, thank you. It's actually a very simple quilt to make, and it's been pretty popular. I think now that the fabric lines out, it's it's really taken off. So when you started designing your fabrics, did you have you changed your colorways? I'm always curious with fabric designs. Did you start out looking one, you know, your lines one way, or do yours change every time? How does that work for you? I would say my style has certainly evolved over the years for sure, but I've pretty much been pretty bright the whole way, um, pretty pretty modern and bright colors. But my styles have changed for sure. Mm-hmm. What was the very first line? Do you remember? Yes, Bonami. Ah, and is that how was that different than what you have now? Um, I would say that. The colors are a little more gray than the clear colors that I'm using now, and it was a lot more floral and um, elegant, mm-hmm. delicate. Um, I'm doing a lot kind of funkier things lately. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fun. It's fun to switch it up and. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> So I want to switch gears, Susan, and just ask you a little bit about um, the. You know, what you did to curate an exhibit, because I think that that is fascinating. I've had to curate my own for the Virginia Quilt Museum, which I thought was a heck of a lot of work, uh, and I knew everything. It's like it must have, must be crazy amount of work for you to uh, put together an exhibit with other people's quilts. Um, do you, was that the first one you done, or had you done other ones? That was the first one that I've done, and I was asked to do it way in advance, so I had time to really learn what I was going to do and get organized, and I met with the museum several times before we put out the call for entries to determine who who could enter and what types of quilts we were looking for, and then we put out the call to entries a year before they were due, and it's like sending out party invitations and not knowing if anybody's going to show up. <laughs> right. But we got several quilts in, and it, um, we got a lot of quilts in in each category, and we had a jury that start, that determined whose quilts were accepted into the exhibit. Mm-hmm. How many were in that particular one? There was 36, I believe. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's 
yeah, that's a lot. And they were all different sizes. Uh, so you had to like lay out like I had to, like where everything was going to be. Right. Right. Yeah. So I did, I had spreadsheets kind of done on the computer that said where each quilt went. So when we went up to hang the exhibit, it went pretty quickly. We were, they weren't too far off from what we anticipated. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I did the same thing. I laid it all out. I only adjusted a few things and, but that really helps organization wise. Now, did everybody have to send their quilts to you? They did. Oh, wow. <laughs> they sent, right. They sent them to me and then I got a crew of um, volunteers from my guild and we went up there to the um, museum in Harrisonburg and, and hung the quilts and, the exhibit opened a few days later. Yeah. So where where are you located? I mean, where is your, your guild and all of your, your troops that helped you? Well, I'm in Mosley, Virginia, which is just a little southwest of Richmond. And my guild is the Central Virginia Modern Quilt Guild, and we meet in downtown Richmond. Uh, so when you um, curated and, and put a call out for quilts, was it to, to just your own guild, or did you get from other modern quilt guilds? I got the information from all of the modern quilt guilds in Virginia and sent information to their presidents to get out to their guilds, as well as using social media. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, yeah, so you had a little bigger draw then. You didn't have to hound just your own group. You could... Uh... No, my my group stepped up, but we had quilts yeah. from all over the state. It was really yeah. great. Yeah, that one of my friends was in um, Heidi, and so I wasn't sure whether she just belonged to your guild also because she lives up here, um, up in the northern part of the state. So we'll switch gears again, Susan. Um, you okay. have got all kinds of different fun things going on. What is your newest item? You you have something like a new printable fusible web. What's that about? Right. I have a new printable fusible web called Barely There, and it's a really lightweight adhesive for machine applique or hand applique and layered applique specifically. I do a lot of applique. I have a lot of patterns with applique, mm -hmm. and I was looking for something just really sheer um, and easy to use. It, it's got a quick release liner, so the paper comes off really easily. It fuses down. It's repositionable. It comes in eight and a half by 11 sheets that you can run through your printer or you can get it off the bolt if you have bigger items. Okay. So what, when you, um, when you decided you needed this, what, what was your goal? You know, what were you trying to, um, problem you were trying to fix or what were you, what did you see missing? Well, I, I found that I was using a variety of fusibles and none of them were just quite exactly what I wanted. And people were asking me all the time at, at guild shows and at classes what fusible I would recommend, and I was finding mm -hmm. hard, it hard to recommend one full gusto because I really mm -hmm. only sell what I believe in. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of research, and um, I learned a lot about how fusible web is made. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and a lot of testing. It, it was a long time coming. There was a lot of work involved in getting it to market. Mm -hmm. But I'm thrilled with it now. It's exactly what I was looking for. So do you have, like, piles of it in your garage, or do you have a warehouse? Um... I have a warehouse called my guest room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I have an office in my house, and next to my office is the guest room, and next to that is my sewing room. So I've got kind of my own wing. Your own wing of the house. That is nice. Yep. <laughs> so what do you what do you have on your your table right now that's that you could publicly tell us? You know, scissors, rotary cutter. But you know, do you have a project on your table that you're working on? I do. I'm actually binding a quilt that's the last quilt for a book that I'm submitting. Uh-huh. And it's due on February 28th, and this is the last <laughs> the last bit, and I'm ready to send my manuscript in and the entire thing. So I'm really excited to get that finished up. Oh, so when I hear this big cheer coming from southern Virginia, middle of Virginia, <laughs> in a day you, or so. You'll know why. Yes, I'll know. Yeah, yeah that, that's another long process coming to an end. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I'm doing one of those, too. I have uh, a couple of weeks left. <laughs> I'm like, ah! So, <laughs> so where can people find you, Susan, online? My website is swirlygirlsdesign.com, or you can also go to susanemery.com. Perfect. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and all of those. All of those links are on my websites. Well, this has been fun to catch up, and I loved hearing how the process was to do the exhibit. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'm sure you went through something very similar. I did, but I didn't have other people involved, so it was a little easier. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you, Susan. Thanks, Pat. Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash APQ magazine. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Press and seal can be used to hold pieced units in place before sewing together. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and our show is sponsored by Moda Fabrics. So if you haven't gone out to the Moda Bake Shop, check out their categories where you can find uh, projects by um, pre-cuts or ease of use. So Jenny Baker is back. She is an author and designer and uh, extraordinary contributor to the family of magazines at American Patchwork and Quilting. Uh, she might be have her own episode of, um, you know, like like series or something because Jenny's always got fun things she's doing for the magazines. So Jenny, how is life for you? Good, good. We're just settling in. We just moved couple states over and um, I'm just getting back into the swing of sewing almost every day I'm not quite there yet but uh, getting there well I I think sewing every day is 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 awesome because I don't get to do that every day (laughs) I didn't even move well uh, yeah not very much but I mean I really like the goal is at least like 10 or 15 minutes you know just to that's how you make progress on a project is a little bit at a time 
um, versus, you know, being able to commit a huge chunk, a couple hours. So when you did this big move, I mean, it's a pretty big move, your whole household, um, you know, and, and what you're doing. Did you discover something, you know, like what ha- sort of happened that maybe wasn't expected in that move? I think the biggest thing, I kind of knew going in I wasn't going to have a lot of time to sew. Mm-hmm. Um, but I imagined I was going to, you know, sneak away for a minute or here and there and sew a little bit, you know, in the midst of all the packing. But uh, kind of unexpectedly, I didn't really feel like sewing for a couple of months, which I've never really had that, that since I started quilting almost 10 years ago. Um, and so that kind of took some getting used to. And I think it was my, my mind and my body were saying, you need a break. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I took it. So, um, but it's, I'm, I love to make stuff all the time. So it was a really weird feeling, not mm-hmm. having that feeling of wanting to make all the time. Yeah. I, you probably were like, had to be so focused on what you were doing. You just didn't have anything left. I think that was it. I was so physically and emotionally exhausted at the end of the day that I just, yeah, I didn't have any energy left for making. And, you know, thankfully, since I work for myself, I have the freedom to be flexible. Um, and I just kind of decided I need to let myself have this time, take a step away. Um, and I kind of thought of it like when you're trying to solve a problem and you mm-hmm. stop thinking about it, like mm-hmm. you get a, you know, you get an idea in the shower or in the middle of the night. And I kind of approached it in that way. Like maybe this is my time where I need to just think about something different. And then when I come back, I'll be able to refocus and be hit with, you know, a lightning bolt of ideas. Um, (laughs) It's not really that simple, but um, that was kind of my mentality going into it. I think your your philosophy of just letting yourself instead of fighting it, you're like, okay, this is where I am right now. I'm I'm not going to fight it. I'm just going to be in the moment, and it'll come back. Exactly, because it it always does. For sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And already, like, I I was kind of fighting with, like, well, I really should do a few things around the house, but I really want to sneak away for some sewing, and Mm -hmm. I've been letting myself then do that. So it's Mm -hmm. coming back slowly. I'm just trying not to rush it. Yeah. When you had this new space, you know, did you um, discover that you wanted to set it up differently than your old studio space? Well, my old space was tiny. Um, I had a lot of closet space, but my actual space to sew was really small. So this has been completely different um, just from the get. My my new sewing space is a lot bigger. I've got three windows, which is just, I can't even get over that. <laughs> um, so I'm actually having to, I had all my fabric out before, and now I'm I'm putting it behind glass or I'm putting it behind closed doors, you know, so it doesn't mm-hmm. get sun damage and stuff like that. So it has been a totally different, I don't know, experience, yeah, setting mm-hmm. up this space. It's not, part of me wants to set it up like it was before, just out of comfort mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm really trying to best use the space um, and uh, figure out what's most convenient and what my workflow is going to be like. You know, I think that that's that that feeling of wanting something that you is familiar, that's sort of hard to fight when you, you know, you're like, okay, I always had this here. I always had that there. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. I, and I'm such a creature of habit. So it mm-hmm. is a huge fight for me. I want everything to be, you know, just like it was just for that, like comforting, familiar feeling. But, um, you know, it's a totally different space, a totally different room. So mm-hmm. I got to figure out what's going to work best. And that just takes time. You know, I've mm-hmm. kind of got stuff set up for the most part, but I know it'll change. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Right, right. Yeah, all of a sudden you'll be like, this is not working. You know, why is my, why is that here? Right. You know, my workflow is like wrong. Yeah. yeah. So it seems like in the kitchen, you can't get the kitchen right the first mm-hmm. time. You just get stuff right. put away so you can use it. And then you figure out as you use it where stuff needs to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a good analogy. Uh, rearrange, don't ever <laughs> rearrange the kitchen once you have it set. It's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Never happens. No, no. So you have um, you do a lot of prep work, um, you know, to to sew. Yeah. Tell me why that that's a that helps you. Well, I like to work on a lot of different projects at once, and I sort of like to, especially in the like planning, picking fabric, cutting phases. I really like to get like I'll cut out an entire quilt from start to finish, the whole mm-hmm. thing. And then that way, when I have time to sew, I, I'm not in the middle of the cutting and I'm trying to figure out where I was, what I haven't cut, what I still need to cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to get, like, get things all ready to go. Um, I really love Ziploc bags in my sewing room. I, I always re- reuse them. So I'm, that's how I justify that it's not wasteful. Um, but I love to like get one block's worth of pieces in a Ziploc bag. And so when I'm ready to work on that project, I'm not spending half an hour finding all the pieces, figuring out where I was. I've got a block ready to go, ready to sew. Um, cause when I get that urge to like really knock out some chain piecing or something, I want to be ready. You know, and that's something I, I rarely have done, Jenny. You know, and I've talked to a couple really? different people. <laughs> yes. I've talked to a couple people lately. And I'm like, oh, that just sounds nice because I'm always having to find the directions, <laughs> cut it out. It's like I work more block by block, which is weird because, you know, I could do that. I This is my goal. I'm it's a be totally, like, yeah, they're just, they're two totally different, like, mentalities about mm-hmm. it I think and no I, I mean one isn't wrong or one isn't better yeah. than the other but um it's just a different way of moving through a project for sure yeah okay so that's my goal for this year I'm going to get one cut out <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. another another thing that you do Jenny that I I think is fascinating because I've never done this is you 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 decided <laughs> a few years ago <laughs> to to cut to count yards in yards out and not only that but you also an avid uh, I think you knit right it's is it knitting or crochet yes knitting so you have yarn you've got to count the yarn coming Mm -hmm. in and how much so why did you decide to track how much um, project things you brought in and how much you used up well it's funny Uh, this is my third year doing it um, and I actually started because I knew we were going to make a big move Uh, Um, so I was kind of looking down the line, like mm -hmm. I knew that I was bringing in too much fabric. I was bringing in more fabric than I was using and I wanted to change that. And I love tracking stuff. I love Excel. I'm a nerd for like keeping track of things and having that like satisfaction. It's Mm -hmm. weird, but it worked out really well with the fabric and the yarn. Um, so yeah, I track everything, all the fabric that comes in, whether I buy it, it's gifted to me doesn't matter. 
Um, and then as I finish a project, I count that yardage as being used up. Um, or if I give away fabric or, or whatnot, um, mm -hmm. I count that as going out. So I don't have a running total of like how much is in my stash because oh, that okay. would be terrifying. Yeah. Don't right. need to know that, but <laughs> don't. yeah, don't need to know that. Um, so I just count it kind of as a net so I can tell yeah. at the end of each month, I bought this much in, I used up this much. What did I do? Did I decrease my stash or did I grow it? Um, and it's been it's been a transition. I, at first I wasn't doing very well. <laughs> I really had some bad habits. Um, I was impulse buying and stuff, but now year three, I can say I have much better, much better habits. And, um, I've, I've gone down, I think last year I was down almost 300 yards. So I've, I used up, I used up a lot of fabric. Um, and it's just been a good way to keep myself accountable motivate myself to finish up some lingering projects because if I finish it I can count it yeah. um so it's been it's been fun I enjoy it actually yeah it is just a fascinating concept um you know it's like it's it's uh the yarn too I mean you're not just doing it for <laughs> one thing you got both of them going and you're prolific I mean you really make a lot of things <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I started, I, I knew I wanted to do it for the fabric, and the yarn, I don't knit as much as I sew nearly, so it's not quite as exciting on the yarn side, but um, I was very happy, yeah, to be tracking the yarn, too. It's just, I don't know, it's now it's habit. I don't really think about it, you know, as, as a... Right. I don't, yeah, I don't once, think about it that much. I just do it. You just do it, yeah. Once it becomes a habit yeah. like that, you're not even you, – I mean, you almost have to do it, you know, if you really get in a habit yeah. of tracking. Right. Yeah. So right, another exactly. thing that you've, you've done recently that you posted about that I thought was fascinating is you were looking for a rug for your new space, for your sewing space, and you ended up sort of, you know, making something work that wasn't really intended for that you know, that size, what, you know, you sewed a bunch right. of stuff together. How did that, what did you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, um, well, we just moved into our first home and, uh, there's no carpeting. It's all hardwood floors. So let's, let's be honest. I blew my rug budget early. <laughs> um, and so when it came to my sewing space, I knew I wanted something pretty economical because I knew, you know, it's going to get there's going to be pins and threads and I'm going to be really, you know, there's going to be a lot of wear and tear on this rug, mm -hmm. whatever rug ends up in this room. And I found these runners at Ikea that are like, they're like rag runners. So mm -hmm. they're, they're made from scraps um, from their bedding lines. And I love the look of them right away. They're kind of low volume looking and, but they're way too small. They're runners. So I just decided to whip stitch them together um, with some cotton twine. And it's not a perfect solution. There's places where they're a little bumpy, the seams, mm -hmm. but I think it'll relax over time. Um, but I'm super happy with how it turned out. It was, it was kind of a budget uh, option and mm -hmm. it's, it's a fun story. And yeah, um, yeah, it was it was cool. Yeah, I like those um, those sort of rag strip rugs. I think that's interesting that it's all made from their their sheets and their linens and that's right. Yeah, as soon as I saw that, I was sold. Yeah, it right. just seemed too perfect for a sewing room, you know. 
And you also did good just, karma or something. Yeah, it does have good karma. That's it. It's like it's just meant to yeah. be. Um, and you exactly. wrote about this and showed how you did it on your February 21st, 2018 uh, post. And I'll link to that so on my site so people yeah. can, can yeah. find that. Well, Jenny, this has been a lot of fun to find out how your new move went and all of that. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. This was great. And you can find Ginny at InColorOrder.com and in the pages of American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine and Quilts and More. So thanks, Ginny. Thank you. So this is American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. You can find me online at Facebook at Quilt Along with Pat Sloan and join American Patchwork and Quilting there, too. Remember to visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio. Thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.